a second now. I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides with him. There at the cross where he took me in. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to his name. Now let's get out while they play through a few verses. Shake hands with everyone tonight. Make everyone welcome. Remain stand for a word of prayer. Good to have those that are visiting with us tonight. Pete, good to have you and your wife with us tonight. And others that are with us, we appreciate all of you being here. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to open our hearts to the things that God has for us. Bobby Lawler, if you would, lead us in prayer, please. Yes, yes. Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 385. I am thine, O Lord. 385. God. 
Let our ushers come forward to receive our offering and remind you now that uh, what you give on Wednesday night goes to the supporting of our Bible conference in the fall. Of course, during the month of November, we gave our Wednesday night offerings to our visiting missionaries. But through the rest of the year, your Wednesday night giving helps to support the conference and getting the rooms and meeting a lot of the needs. And that way we don't have to raise as much money as we near the conference. So I hope that many of you will give tonight and we'd appreciate it so much. Just one announcement here, let me make mention of no choir rehearsal Thursday for Christmas at home choir and cast members. Again, no choir rehearsal Thursday p.m. for Christmas at home choir and cast members. So keep that in mind. Good to have Andy and Diane back tonight. They've been up in New Jersey and he's come back with an accent. So you talking funny there amen but good to have andy and diane home let's pray and you give tonight again what you give on wednesday nights helps underwrite the conference in the fall and helps us to bring many many in to be with us during the conference father we do thank you for the purposes for which we can give to you and as we give tonight lord we not only give to meet a need of the church but lord through our giving and the purpose for which we give on these wednesday nights is to minister to others and to be a blessing to others by helping others to be able to come and get a blessing. So we know, Lord, that there'll be a great reward for those who give and give lovingly and generously toward this goal. So I pray now you bless our need. I pray you'll bless the service tonight. Open our hearts to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Sometimes my little heart can't understand What's in your will, what's in your plan So many times I'm tempted to ask you why But I can never forget it for long Lord, what you do could not be wrong So I believe you even when I must cry Do I trust you, Lord? Does the river flow? Do I trust you, Lord? Does the north wind blow? You can see my heart You can read my mind And you've got to know I would rather die than to lose my faith in the one I love. Do I trust you, Lord? Do I trust you, Lord? I'm keeping my eyes on you, following you, following you, my Lord. I'm keeping my eyes on you, following you, following you. I won't look to the left or right. My only goal is keeping you in my sight. Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you, following Following you, my Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you. Following you, following you, my
Thank you, Pam. Let's open our Bibles to two places in the Psalms. Psalm 30, Psalms 30 and Psalm 97. If you'll find those two Psalms, I want to share with you a post-dated Thanksgiving sermon. Of course, throughout the month of November, we had our missionaries with us each Wednesday night, and then, of course, with us on Sunday. So, uh, no one really shared anything about Thanksgiving over the holidays, so I thought I'd take advantage of it tonight, and we'll look at two verses of Scripture. And I want to share with you tonight what I call the twins of gratitude. The twins of gratitude. Would you stand as we honor the reading of His Word? Psalm 30. And I want you to notice verse 4. Psalm 30 and verse 4. The psalmist said, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Now mark that place and turn to Psalm 97. In Psalm 97. And there is a very similar verse found in Psalm 97. But look at Psalm 97 in verse 12. But they're very similar, a little different, but yet there is a uh, similar thought there that we'll focus upon tonight. In Psalm 97, 12, the psalmist said, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and notice, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Psalm 34, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Psalm 97, 12, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray, and then tonight, for just a few moments, I'll share with you the thought, the twins of gratitude. Father, tonight, in Jesus' name, we do ask you, Lord, to help us to trust you, help us to lean upon you, Help us to submit ourselves unto you and to trust in you at all times. We ask you now, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts about the matter of gratitude. We have so much to be thankful for as individuals. We have so much to be thankful for as a body of believers. And so tonight I pray that you'd help us to realize tonight the place of gratitude in our life as a believer. Speak to us now as we consider these thoughts and we'll praise you and thank you, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask these things. Amen. As you know, over the years, there are certain clauses and certain phrases that we use or have used that have been abbreviated as time has gone by. An example of this is how we express thanks. Years ago, people would say, I thank you. And then over time, it was abbreviated simply to thank you. Now, or we might today basically always say is thanks. But I think about the society and the culture in which we live, and it is a society and a culture that is just about done away with thanks altogether. I think you would agree with me tonight that our society is largely a very unappreciative and a very ungrateful one. I think about Dante's Inferno. And in Dante's Inferno, he described or he placed the ungrateful in the very center of hell. And to Dante, the worst of the worst was the ungrateful. And he reserved in his hell, right in the very center, those that were ungrateful. Well, I would say to you tonight, I do not know if the ungrateful will occupy the center of hell, but I do believe that in gratitude is a very terrible sin. Someone has said that gratitude is the least of virtues and gratitude the worst of vices. And I would disagree with gratitude being the least of virtues, but I would agree that ingratitude is probably the worst of all vices. I think about Romans chapter 1, and there the Apostle Paul listing the stages in man's descent into vile wickedness he placed thanklessness as the fountainhead of all the sins that transpired. You read in Romans 1.21, the Scripture said, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Issuing out of their lack of gratitude was this long list of sins. 
I think of the pilgrims in the New World, and I think of the 16 mothers of families, 12 died the first year. Over half the colony died as victims of malnutrition and disease. The harvest had not been plentiful. But yet they were a thankful people, as you know. Governor Bradford ordered a three-day worship from whence we have our traditional day of thanksgiving. But I read an article how over 300 years later, it had been a custom over the years to have a Thanksgiving dinner in Plymouth. And 300 years later, a national magazine reported that only one person in 60 turned out to the Thanksgiving service at Plymouth where Thanksgiving got started. It reminds me that we live in a day in which as a society we are a very unappreciative people. But the Bible has a lot to say about the place of gratitude in our life. In our text we read just a moment ago in the two verses we are told to give thanks unto the Lord. Twice in Psalm 30 verse 4 and Psalm 97 in verse 12 in very similar statements there we are told to give thanks to the Lord. One says sing unto the Lord and give thanks and the other said rejoice in the Lord and give thanks. And as you look in the Bible, you'll find that over and over and over again, we're admonished to be a thankful people and we're admonished to be filled with gratitude. In fact, as you read the Word of God, you'll find that being thankful is the will of God for our lives. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We often talk about knowing the will of God where it's plainly told, we are plainly told in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, this is the will of God. What is that? That we give thanks in everything. Well, since it's the will of God to be thankful, then thanksgiving or thankfulness should be a constant and a definite part of our life. And in the verses that we just read from Psalm 30 and Psalm 97, we find a secret about the attitude of gratitude. It's what I call the twins of gratitude. For you notice in these two verses that not only are we told to give thanks, but you'll also notice in both of those verses you find the word remembrance. We're told in each one of those two verses to give thanks. But we're also told not only to thank we are told to think. And I want to submit to you tonight that think and thank are the twins of gratitude. In fact, dictionaries tell us that the primary sense of thank is the matter of thought. Thoughtfulness, or rather thankfulness, is rooted in our thoughtfulness. In fact, the old Anglo-Saxon word think and think were substantially the same thing. And even when you come to our Bible in the New Testament, you find that the principal word for thanks or thanksgiving occurs 55 times in various forms, and it has as its base the word for favor. And the ideal is that as one considers the favors that they have enjoyed, that it will produce gratitude in their heart. In other words, what I'm saying tonight is this, that if you will think, you will thank. You see, thoughtlessness leads to thanklessness, and thoughtfulness leads to thankfulness. Pondering always leads to praise, and remembering always leads to rejoicing. Those are the twins of gratitude. Think and thank. Now let's look at these two verses tonight. I want, you, I want to place before you these two things, the matter of thinking and the matter of thinking. Jot down these two things. First of all, I think of the constant place that remembering is to have in our life as a believer. Remembering is to have a constant place in our heart and life as a child of God. As you look at God's dealings with Israel, you'll find that remembering held a very, very important place. And the importance of remembering is demonstrated in two ways. One, there were the reminders that God established. The reminders that God established. You find that in God's providential dealings with Israel that God gave them several reminders. We might call them memorials, but they were memorials or reminders that God established to remind the children of Israel of what He had done for them. And these memorials were designed to keep before them all that He had done so they would never forget the bountiful blessings of God. 
I think of the national feast that God established in Israel or assigned to Israel. And there were certain feasts that God set up, and some of these had to do with reminding them of what God had done for them. I think about how Israel left Egypt on the Passover night. And you read in Exodus 12, 14 that God said to them that this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. God said, I want you to establish a feast as a memorial of what I am doing for you on this particular night. And of course, what he was talking about was the Passover feast. But you'll find that in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of the Passover, in the Feast of First Fruits, that one of the things God demanded was a gift to be brought to God. And the purpose of these gifts being brought to God in these feasts was to be an expression of their thankfulness. And of course, the idea was that bringing these gifts made them think about what God had done for them. It made them reflect over the past year and to recall all the blessings they had enjoyed from the Lord. And thus, they were to bring a gift to God. It was a memorial, it was a reminder that God established so they would never forget and they would think about what God had done for them. You remember the story when they crossed the Jordan River in the book of Joshua? And you read about how they set up stones at the mouth or in in the Jordan River there. You read in Joshua chapter 4 that they set these stones up to be an everlasting memorial. You read in Joshua 4 verse 6 and 7 that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then shall you answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Again, it was a reminder. These stones they set up that were a memorial to be a permanent reminder of how God had brought them across the Jordan River, had brought them out of Egypt, and had now brought them into the land that he had so promised. These were God-given memorials, the feasts, stones. And you read about other stones and altars being set up, all of them to remind them of some work of God in their life, some meeting of God and a crisis in their life and what God did for them, they were to serve as reminders of the blessings of the Lord. I think about how every one of us tonight have memorials in our life in one way or the other. That memorial may be a place. That memorial may be a date. But these are things and places in our life that remind us of what God has done for us. And they remind us of the blessings of God, of how we've experienced the blessings of God in various ways. For me, there is an old building in Boone, North Carolina that stands as a memorial. And it's a reminder of that day when God saved me by His marvelous grace. And all of you have memorials, and all of you have things that remind you, dates, thoughts, uh, places that remind you of what God has done in your life. And there are others I think of in my life But all of these things just remind me of the goodness of God. I think of Robert Robertson's great hymn, Come Thou Fount. And I've often said uh, it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite hymn. But in some of the more modern translations, there is a phrase that has been changed. Originally, if you read it, I think even in our hymnal that we have here, you read the phrase, Here I raise to thee an altar. But originally when Robert Robertson wrote that song, he put, used the phrase, here I raise my Ebenezer. And the phrase comes from 1 Samuel 7, 12, where Samuel took a stone and he set that stone up and he called it Ebenezer. Ebenezer, which means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And Samuel set that stone up, his Ebenezer stone, to remind him this is where God helped me. And again, I think about how every one of us tonight have places And we have times where we could raise our Ebenezer. Places and times where God helped us. And all of these keep us thoughtful. And all of these remind us of the blessings of God in our lives. I think about in early New England, it was a Thanksgiving custom to place five grains of corn at every plate. And the reason these five grains of corn were placed at every plate 
was to be a reminder of the stern days of the pilgrims' first winter at Plymouth when food supplies were so low that a ration of only five grains was permitted to each individual at a time. And in early New England, they would celebrate Thanksgiving by placing these five grains of corn at their plate. It was to remind them, to remind them of God's goodness and to remind them of the faithfulness of God even in dark times. God gave Israel memorials to remind them. We have our own memorials. But second of all, not only the reminders that God established, but there was also the remembrance that God encouraged. You see, God not only gave them reminders in their feast, in memorial stones and things like that, but you'll also find that He repeatedly encouraged Israel not to forget what He had done for them. I think about Deuteronomy chapter 8, one of the great chapters of the Bible. All of them is great, but that is a special chapter. And it's a whole chapter dedicated to not forgetting. It is a chapter in Israel's history that is dedicated to remembering. For example, verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And God was saying to them, I want you to remember. I want you to remember how I led you. I want you to remember how I fed you. And he said, thou, thou shalt remember. Then in verse 11 he said, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Again, the whole chapter is dedicated to the fact of remembering and not forgetting what God had done. God wanted Israel, He wanted to remind them of all that He had done and then say to them, don't ever forget what I've done for you. They were to remember the blessings of God. They were to be thoughtful of everything the Lord had done for them. God not only gave them reminders, but He also encouraged them to remember. And God does us the same way. You realize that every time we take the Lord's Supper, we do so to remember. You remember what 2 Corinthians, or rather 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four said? Why do we take the Lord's Supper? This do in remembrance of me. You see, the Bible encourages us to remember, to think, to be thoughtful of all that God has done. I read about the community of Ford City, Pennsylvania. And I read of how every year, every year, Several days before May the 30th, candles are distributed to every home in this foothill community. And then exactly at 10 p.m. on Memorial Eve, the bells in every church began to toll. Gradually, the lights in every home, every store, and every automobile are turned off, and all traffic ceases. Even the night freight train stops its clanging. Stillness and darkness envelop the whole town. Then the people come out on their front porches, come out on their lawns, and they light their candles. And by a loudspeaker comes a prayer of a minister, and then a rifle salute that is followed by taps, and finally the singing of the Lord's Prayer. And after that, all the candles are extinguished, the lights go on again, and the cars begin to move. But every year for 10 minutes, everyone in this community remembers the men and women who died for their country, year after year after year. I read that story, I read that story, and I thought of how God wants us to constantly to remember. And He tells us in Psalm 30 to remember. In Psalm 97, He tells us to remember. God wanted His people through these reminders and how that He encouraged them to remember. He wanted them to constantly to remember. And He wants us to constantly remember all the things that God has done. And when we remember, I mean we stop, we recall, we reflect, we think about all that God has done. As the psalmist said in Psalm 105, verse 5, remember His marvelous works. There's the constant place of remembering in our life. Now that leads me to the second thing. And that is not only the constant place of remembering in our life, but that will lead to the certain place of rejoicing in our life. The certain place that rejoicing will have in our life. If we remember, as the psalmist encourages us to do, then we will rejoice. In fact, 
Whenever you find forgetfulness in the Bible, you'll always find a lack of thankfulness. When you find scenes of forgetfulness, you'll also find somewhere closely associated to it a lack of thankfulness. And when there is a lack of thankfulness, there is always the presence of ungodliness. Can I say it again? Where there is a lack of forget, will you find forgetfulness in the Bible, you'll find a lack of thankfulness. And when you find unthankfulness or lack of gratitude, you will find ungodliness. An example is Psalm 78, 42. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Psalm 78, go home and read it. You'll find they limited the Holy One of Israel. You find them living a low standard of life. And Psalm 78 said it is due to the fact they remembered not the Lord. The godless behavior of the children of Israel had its roots in their thoughtlessness. And the same thing is true in the book of Judges. The book of Judges recounts a series of disasters and deliverances. The disaster, the children of Israel would forget God, leave God, and then God's judgment would come. They would repent. God would deliver them. It wouldn't be long. They'd be right back in the same thing again. They would repent after God chastened. It was just a cycle of ups and downs. But why do you find this tragic chapter or this tragic book in Israel's history? Judges 8.34 said, The children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God. You see, whenever there is a there is no, when there's a lack of thanksgiving in the Bible, thankfulness, it is always traced back to thoughtlessness, not remembering. But on the other hand, we find in our text, in the text verses we read a moment ago, that when there is remembering, there will be rejoicing. That when there is pondering, there will be praise. That when there is thinking, there will be thanking. Where there is thoughtfulness, it will always lead to thankfulness. We remember. And as we remember and as we think, then we rejoice. Let me point out two things. I think of the gratitude that remembering produces. Again, look at our text. Psalm 30, verse 4. The psalmist said, Sing unto the Lord, O you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Psalm 97, 12. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Now, when did they give thanks? It's when they remembered. As they dwelt upon the holiness of God, as they dwelt and thought upon God and who He was and what He was to His children, it was then that they gave thanks. The psalmist is saying that thoughtfulness leads to thankfulness. That as we think about the blessings of God and remember, it produces gratitude in our heart. Just as someone has said, just as a great painter mixes his colors with brains, so a great saint mixes his thought with thanks. And may I put it this way? Whenever we put on our thinking cap, we'll soon be filling our thanking cup. As we remember, it produces gratitude in our life. But there's something else it does. There's not only the gratitude that remembering produces, but there is the grumbling that remembering prevents. Thinking will help us to be grateful rather than grumbling. It'll move us off a grumbling lane onto Grateful Avenue. Now, the simple truth is tonight, most of us grumble way too much. Can I get an amen there? Most of us are grumbling. The rest of you are liars. Can I get an amen right there? But most of us, if we were honest, we grumble way too much. In fact, I think of grumblers. I think of a man in a particular church that always grumbled. And he was always grumbling about something. And one day he happened to be walking down the hall and he opened a closet door and on the inside he found five new brooms. And he hit the ceiling. He went straight to the pastor complaining. He said, preacher, we don't need five new brooms. All we need is one new broom. And he just had a fit about finding those five new brooms. 
A little later, the pastor was talking to the treasurer and he said, I don't understand why he got so upset about those brooms. And the treasurer said, I understand. How would you feel if you saw everything you'd given in the church the past year tied up in five brooms? Amen. <laughs> Most of the time, if we were honest, when we grumble about something, we, we don't even know what we're grumbling about. We don't even have any reason for grumbling. It's a lot like a fellow that I heard about that grumbled all the time. Nothing ever made him happy. I mean, anything, it didn't matter what it was. He found something wrong with it. He grumbled about it, whatever. But he saw advertised at a certain hardware store this chainsaw that would cut six trees in one hour. So he went down to the hardware store and he said, I want that chainsaw that I saw advertised that would cut six trees in one hour. So he bought it. The next day he came back, he was fussing, he was grumbling, he was complaining. He said, you told me this chainsaw would cut six trees in one hour. He said, I only, it only cut one tree and it took me all day to cut it. And the salesman said, well, let me look at it. So he reached down and gave it a yank and fired the thing up. And the fellow said, what's that noise? Say, man, most time, you, some of you get that later. Most of the time when we grumble, we don't have any reason for grumbling. But when we stop and we begin to think and we begin to realize how much we've been blessed, instead of grumbling, we become grateful. And we find ourselves, instead of griping about this and complaining about that, we begin to thank God for the things that we do have and the blessings we have. You cannot grumble and give thanks at the same time. And if we would remember, we will rejoice. And it'll move us from grumbling to gratefulness. I think about a little track called Miss Pickett's Missionary Box. And this little track about Miss Pickett's Missionary Box tells about a little lady, a poor lady, that always complained that she had no blessings for which to give thanks. And so her niece one day bought her a little box, called it a missionary box, and had the words written on it, What? shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? And she said, Aunt, I want you to put a penny in this box for every benefit that you discover in life and we'll give the money to missionaries. And the woman looked at him and said, Well, I guess the heathen won't get much out of this box, but a few pennies won't break me, so I'll keep count of my benefits if there are any. And so the box said all week without a penny going into it. Well, after the next church service, the niece come by to visit her aunt. She hadn't gone to church. And she sat down with her, wanted to make sure she's all right. And she began to tell the aunt about the service that night at a visiting missionary that was there and how he talked about the Indians and their plight. And the old woman looked at her niece and said, she said, well, I'm thankful I'm not where I am. I'm not an Indian out on a reservation. And the niece said, there's your first benefit. And said, put a penny in the box. And so the ant put a penny in the box. So it rattled around without company for several days in that box. One day she secured a new renter for one of her rooms. And after she rented the room out, she got to thinking that was a blessing. So she put a, another penny in the box. And, and day after day, this and that would happen. And she began to put pennies in. And it wasn't long that she began to realize how many blessings she was receiving in life. And before long, the box was heavy, was heavy with dozens of pennies. I want to say to you tonight that every one of us in this room, everybody in this room has been blessed in numerous ways by God. And not a one of us have anything really to grumble about. We have everything to give thanks for. Maybe life is not a bed of roses for you. And maybe somebody else is having it easier than you. But the bottom line is we all have much more than we really deserve. God has been good to every one of us. And as we stop and think, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The psalmist said, remember. And as he remembered, it wasn't long that he was rejoicing. May I encourage all of you tonight to follow the example of the psalmist. Let us remember. Let us reflect. And when we do, we'll rejoice. Think. And it won't be long that you will thank. Let's stand our feet, please. With our heads bowed. In fact,
Just take your prayer sheet in your hands as you stand, and we're going to come and assume that's France. Is Rhonda here tonight? Let Rhonda know. We, is Rhonda here? <laughs> that's, I didn't type that when she did. I'm usually the one who makes the mistakes. But our missionary to France with Baptist mid-missions. And then our Church of the Week is Green Tree Baptist Church in Tyrone, Georgia. Brother David Hammonds, many of you remember Brother David. We want to be praying for him. We're going to pray for our Missionary of the Week and our Church of the Week. And then our hospital list, of course, Brother David Knight. Brother David will be having balloon surgery tomorrow. They found a couple of blockages. And so they'll be doing balloon surgery tomorrow at 12 o'clock at Park Ridge. And then Juanita Warnick is still at Huntsville. Spoke to Juanita yesterday. She's feeling better, but we want to continue to pray for her. So I want you to come tonight as we gather around the altar, all of you that will. And I want you to come for three reasons. I want you to come to pray, really two reasons. To come and pray for our special request, Missionary of the Week, our Church of the Week, our needy church family and loved ones we have here. And second of all, I want you to come tonight and I want you to ask the Lord to work the truth of His Word into your heart tonight. To remember and to rejoice. To think and to thank. And to come tonight and express thanksgiving to God. And to open your heart and to give thanks unto the Lord. Why? It's the will of God for our lives. So will you do that tonight? All of you that will, let's come and gather, gather around the altar. And let's take these matters to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, in Jesus' name, as we come to you, we come tonight to lift our missionary of the week up to you. We pray for the Stetsons. We ask you, Lord, to bless them and their work. Lord, France is a very difficult country, a country hardened, and a country that the majority are atheists. I pray tonight for that country, for the opening of hearts to the gospel, for the blessing of the missionaries and this family tonight. Bless them, Lord. Give them fruit for their labor, power as they serve you in France. We pray for Brother David tonight. Thank you for him. I pray you bless his church. Lord, I pray given the desires of his heart, may you bless that work there in Tyrone, Georgia. May the hand of God be upon them. Do wonderful things there at Green Tree. Marvelous works. Let it grow. Let it prosper. May many be saved. Bless them. Give Brother David leadership. Give him power. Encourage his heart. But do bless him tonight. Be with Brother David as he has surgery tomorrow. And then, Lord, as we come to you tonight, thank you for all you've done. Forgive us, Lord, that we get so caught up in life, in the, right, the rat race of life, that we don't slow down enough to think. And we don't slow down enough to ponder. And Lord, we don't slow down enough to remember all that you've done. Father, if we would stop and just dwell upon all you've done, it would not be long that our hearts would be overflowing with thanksgiving to you. Forgive us of our grumbling. Forgive us, Lord, of our ingratitude. Lord, help us to be thankful. And we know, Lord, that as we think, we will thank. So, Lord, tonight, work in our hearts. May we constantly remember, and if we do, we'll certainly rejoice. So, Father, work the Word of God into our hearts. May we live the truth of God day by day. May we get more than a sermon as we leave. May we live, leave tonight with a principle of God's Word that we can live by and walk by. God use us, bless us here at Temple. Thank you for what you're doing as we approach the new year and I pray you bless. All these things we ask you to touch tonight and move in them for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Let's go back to your seat. Rick, you, won't you lead us in that course, Give Thanks. You got the music there? I think many of you remember that. Give thanks. The chorus we often sing, we usually have it on the screen, but I think you remember most of the words tonight. As we, just why don't we just stand all across the building and let's sing this song, Give Thanks to the Lord.
glad you're saved say amen let me encourage you now to pray about helping us in a couple of things and a couple of ministries as we move into the new year uh, one of our themes for the coming year is a new vision for a new millennium and you're going to hear a lot of emphasis on that a lot of things we're beginning we made some commitments at the beginning of 1999 I personally did and you have followed so well and this has been a good year, and we thank the Lord for it. And we're taking those commitments even further in, in the year 2000. And a lot of things we're going to be doing in a lot of ministries. A lot of things on Wednesday night will be a little different. We'll be having our normal services on Wednesday night, and a lot of training classes and a lot of special classes and things following the service, like the Awana and different things. They don't get out to 8.30, and so many of you get out, we'll break for a lot of those and some of you have already got letters about certain training classes and different things it starts in january deacons training sunday school teachers training and different things but a couple of new ministries that are beginning and uh, one of them is a volunteer ministry the other is not a volunteer ministry it's more of a of a ministry to which we invite and different ones will be invited we're very limited in the very beginning to how many we can have in fact the first semester there'll be two semesters each year that's the ministry called faith and we'll have two semesters a year and our first semester we will only have four people and then in the fall lord willing we'll be able to have 12 people and it will multiply it's a soul winning ministry that eventually will be sunday school we'll incorporate it in sunday school and faith it is a great ministry that begins in january but two of the ministries that many of you ought to pray about becoming a part of one of them is the upper room and i appreciate all of you that have been a part of the upper room our prayer ministry now through this year and uh, we're in about our seventh eighth ninth month we started somewhere around march i believe it was of this year uh, march or april and i appreciate all of you that have been a part of the prayer ministry we had very limited hours from nine to two o'clock every day due to the fact we did not have access to the facilities you had to be able had to have someone here where you get a key to get into the building to get into the prayer room but uh, we've changed all that the prayer room's been relocated have a beautiful prayer room and it's it's a very beautiful room and you they're in the prayer room know it's very very special and we've also got it where now you have access to the prayer room uh, 24 hours a day seven days a week and uh, so i want many of you now to start thinking about becoming a part of our prayer ministry the upper room and we'll be putting up a prayer board. It'll be in the information center here. And we hope to have it up with Sunday, maybe the next weekend, that'll show all the times that are available. And, uh, of course, the ones that have been in there 
Uh, now we're going to give them first opportunity to, if they want to change their time, because a lot of them uh, would be helpful if they could be here at night. But some of you couldn't get into the prayer ministry because it was during the daytime. It's open now in the evenings. It could be early in the morning and whatever there. Uh, it's just, it, it's open now. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And my ultimate prayer and goal is that there'll be a day when we have someone praying every hour of every day, seven days a week. That's our goal. That's our objective. But I want some of you to think about it now. You talk about wanting to do something for God. There's not a greater thing you can do for God than praying. Amen? And you say, well, I don't have time. Then you're doing too much. If you don't have time to pray, you're doing way too much. This is a priority in life is prayer. And the prayer ministry is a priority of this church. I really believe that what we do in the future depends upon the commitment that we'll find from the prayer ministry. I really believe the blessings that we've seen this year is due to the fact for our prayer ministry. Baptisms have been up. Tennis has been up. Everything has been up. I don't know of a category that is down this year. And I really believe it's because of our prayer ministry. I want many of you to start thinking about becoming a part of it. And like I say, it's open in the evenings and things like that. There's brochures as you leave out there, simply says the upper room. And it tells you how to go about getting information. And you can call the church office and say, I want to get information about becoming a part of the upper room. Or just fill out the little thing in here, or the cards in your bulletin. You have that little tear-off tab that says sign up. Just put your name there and say, I want to sign up for the prayer ministry. Drop it in the offering plate or one of the ministry boxes. And we, in return, will send you information to let you know what we would expect out of you to become a part of the upper room. Because we do ask for a commitment. It's not just show up, do what you please. It is a very regulated thing that we do. It's a very specific way in which we pray, specific things that we pray for, and it's, it's well organized. So I want many of you, many of you can do this. You're free at nights. Maybe you will come over here. Some maybe can pray from 7 to 8, 8 to 9. All of these hours are going to be open. And in the middle and early hours, you, you come into work. Say you're going to work at 7. It's possible you may come an hour early and do that. And it would be a difference. It will make a difference in your life. It will make a difference in our church life. We need many, many, many more now to fill up the prayer ministry. And another ministry you've been seeing on the screen we've been mentioning is the greeters ministry. And many of you can do this. This doesn't require you teaching or whatever like that. It is a ministry that we are beginning in the first of the year. We'll be having greeters classes beginning in January where everybody will go through training classes for this ministry. But uh, many of you, I appreciate uh, those, Peggy and uh, uh, several others, Trish and Opal, they have worked and really laid the groundwork for this. And, and uh, they've done something similar to, for several months now to what this would involve. But it's basically a ministry where we do our best to make a good first impression on a visitor when they come. Because you know the old saying, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. And really, it's a ministry to greet people on Sunday morning and to assist them, visitors, as they come to church. That is the goal. That's what the ministry is all about, is to greet our visitors and to assist them and to provide with the materials that we're going to be providing for every visitor that comes, began the first of the year, visitors packet, different things, and all of these things. Many of you can do it. All that simply ask is uh, different things, such as being wearing a smile, extending a warm welcome, Whatever that everybody in this room would qualify, but Edith Brooks. So every many of you can be a part of this. I want there's brochures out in the back, and uh, pick that up if you're interested in doing this because uh, we'll be having people at every entrance of our facilities on Sunday morning and during the Sunday school and before service and things. And like I say, it's it's a ministry. There's a, things is to help make. When a visitor comes here, we want them to feel as comfortable as possible when they come. You remember, you know how hard it is to visit a church. You feel so out of place and you sit down and nobody talks to you or whatever like that. Uh, we want to make a good first impression, but not only make an impression, we want to reach out to them and say to them that we love you. We are thrilled that you are here. We are glad that you're here. We want you here. And we're going to provide everything we can for them to make their visit at Temple Baptist Church to be a very, very enjoyable experience. That is the greater's ministry. Many of you can do this. I hope many of you pray about all it will take. It's not a long time and whatever like that. 
It's just meeting here, being with us at tops of the Lord's day as we meet all of our teachers and officers when they pray on Sunday morning, and then just being at certain assigned places to help meet people and to help people when they come, when a family comes in with children, we want to be able to take them to the nurseries, we want to take them to their classes so that they... Uh, it's not a matter of them wondering around, where do I go, what do I do? We want to settle all that for the visitor when they get here. We provide that for them. And many of you can serve in this ministry, and it could be a very, very important ministry in being able to make the right kind of impression someone visit with us. But these two ministries I want you to pray about becoming a part of, and all these classes begin in January. Get involved. That's what I'm asking you to do. Amen? Everybody, so that we go to other levels as a church. You're dismissed. Shake hands with our visitors. Uh, the Mukers, good to have them tonight, and others get by and speak to them and others. Let them know how glad we are to have them.